0: Hey there listener, this is your host of Welcome to the Slaughtered Lamb. Troy, I'd just like to give you a little heads up in the preceding episode. Unfortunately, when I was recording this episode, I had to change locations several times during the recording process. This resulted in a change in the quality of each of the different cuts, which I actually had to splice together. I apologize, but everything you can hear clearly, it just changes from time to time. In the future. I have had this corrected and I plan not to have it happen again. So thank you for joining me yet again and welcome to the next episode. (laughs) John Landis' written and directed 1981 horror film, An American Werewolf in London. I'm your host, Troy, and thank you for joining me on this journey. Today, we are going to cover minute number two. So this minute starts off with us being introduced to a good portion of our cast. First up is David Naughton, who in the movie plays David Kessler. Then it's Jenny Gooder, who plays nurse Alex Price. Then it's Griffin Dunn, who plays Jack Goodman. Then John Woodbine, playing Dr. J.S. Hirsch. Next, we have a series of three names, which are Brian Glover, the chess player, Lila Kay, the barmaid, David Schofield, the dart player. And those are replaced by another set of three names. Paul Kemper, which is Sergeant McManus, Frank Oz, which is Mr. Collins, and the voice of Miss Piggy, and Donc McClup as Inspector Villers. That being it for the actors in the movie, we move on to the technical side of the creators, with the first one being edited by Malcolm Campbell, then original music by Elmer Bernstein, then the largest credit in the whole entire opening sequence, special makeup effects, designed and created by Rick Baker. And then we wrap up the minute with art director Leslie Dilly. So when it comes to talking about the actors for this movie, I'm going to leave that until the moment when they actually show up on screen. Now for a few actors, it's going to be really, really soon. And for some, it's going to be a little while. So I'm going to start off with the technical people. So to begin with, we have the editor, Malcolm Campbell. And according to IMDb, he has 38 editing credits. First of which is 1981's An American Wolf in London. And as I'm going through his list, there's a bunch of other things that are showing up, such as Trading Places, Twilight's on the Movie, Michael Jackson's Thriller, Into the Night, Spies Like Us, Three Amigos, Amazon Woman on the Moon, Coming to America. You're picking up on a theme here. Yeah, it seems that when John Landis works with someone that he likes, he likes to keep him around. And I've noticed that with a lot of the people that I've done research in, that there's A very rare instance where someone on the creative side of putting his movies together that a person only sticks around for one or two movies. They, from the list that I've culminated so far, there's quite a bit. Next up we have Elmer Bernstein. The opening of the podcast, that musical number at the very beginning, is the first musical score that uh, is uh, Elmer Bernstein. It is wonderful music that he has throughout his whole entire career Uh, he's worked on such movies as like the ten commandments and the magnificent seven and he's done a lot of john landis's as well like i mentioned earlier about how john landis when he works with someone that he likes he keeps him around he worked on like animal house and he worked on this movie here as well as a bunch of other movies in addition to doing um film music. He's also written scores for a couple of Broadway plays, and he's just got a fantastic career. He was born in 1922 and unfortunately passed away in 2004 at the age of 82. So he had a very long career. John Landis actually got to know him when he uh, grew up near Bernstein and befriended him through his children. And then years later, he requested that uh, he compose the music for National Lampoon's Animal House. Best part about it, it was over the studio's objections. He explained to Bernstein um, that he thought that his type of score played it straight as if the comedic Delta Frat characters were actually heroes, which emphasized the comedy further. And with that, he went on to compose other other music scores for comedies such as Ghostbusters, Stripes, Airplanes, and like I mentioned Blues Brothers. He also ended up doing the uh, framing music for the Michael Jackson video for Thriller. Next up we have Leslie Daly who is the art director for the movie Um, and in the credit of art directing, according to IMDB he only has 12 credits however, those credits cover quite a bit which include Star Wars Episode 4, uh, Superman, Alien, The Empire Strikes Back, Raiders of the Lost Ark, An American World in London, and Never Say Never Again, also Legend. So when it comes to the commentary track, Griffin starts talking about how if he remember if if David remembers how barren the land actually was, and then at the time that they were shooting that the, can't remember what they were called, but he called them the British Survival SWAT team, or the British Stormtroopers were training. They mentioned that they were supposed to be in the north of England, but as the uh, studio was uh, located in London, that this was as close as they could get to the Moors. Griffin starts talking about one trailer that they had on location that everybody used throughout the day and that at one point when he went into it because it had a washroom he went in to use it and one of the drivers started to drive away with it because it was attached to his truck yeah so he drove away from the actual shooting location with Griffin Dunn in the back of uh, the trailer now again the story does continue on after that but that's a little more in the next minute. So we'll get the conclusion of what happened to Griffin Dunn in the trailer as it drives away in minute three. As for the movie script, the actual film script, like I mentioned in minute number one, which again, this whole entire sequence is written down as it taking place at night. There's actually uh, the, the sound... The soundtrack they actually have uh, moon shadow by cat stevens playing uh there is a shot of the actual moon and again it's at night which in the movie it is not uh it also goes into to the fact that the actual opening title card of an american world from london is cast across the moon the camera pulls back from the moon as it pans down and you see more of the ground around it, and the crossroads of the moors and that's basically it for the script. Ah! As I mentioned in minute number one, the actual audio drama which goes along with this, which is based on the actual film script, uh, film script is, uh, has a prelude to what we actually see in the movie. Now, of course, our movie opens up on the moors. This movie takes place, this radio drama takes place before that. Now, because it's actually um, based on the film script, it actually is happening at night. The other nice thing about this is that they have a couple of the actors from the actual movie reprising their roles. Uh, Jenny Agutter is in it, uh, Brian Glover, and John Woodvine all reprise their character roles and uh, a voice actor by the name of Eric Myers stands in as David so it actually starts off in a sanatorium where a, uh, a cellmate I guess is complaining about the uh, seeing the moon and asking like begging not to be where he is the guard checking on him who goes by the name of Charlie says that there's nothing I could do about that it's the moon just don't look at it He's, uh, this Charlie character is checking on the uh, B Ward, uh, sorry, the D Ward of uh, North Rotherham uh, Sanitarium. So there you go, there's your sanitarium reference from the actual movie, which you find out a little later on. He mentions that the new inmate, who goes by the name of Talbot, is choking on something, so he's going to go into his cell to check on him. The guy on the walkie-talkie is telling him, be careful with yourself, and he says, no, it's fine, I'll just help him with what he's doing right now. Looks like he's just being sick. He's not used to this type of food, and then I'll settle him down. While this is happening, unfortunately, Talbot transforms into a werewolf. Now, there is no mention that he is actually turning into a werewolf, but the sound effects of the David's transformation are also in this sort of thing so you hear the cracking bones and the stretching and you hear the guttural moans and groans of the guy transforming and he then lets out a wolf snarl and then attacks charlie who he ends up tearing into three then when someone finally shows back up the cell they find that the window has been busted out talbot has they believe talbot has just escaped and they're all like, what? This is like on the second, third floor of the building. How would he survive? And he's not down there. So they decide to send out a team to recover him, while another team stays behind to try to figure out what actually happened, as they realize that poor Charlie has been torn into three parts and is strewn all over the cell. So then what happens is the uh, the other guard that was on the walkie-talkie with Charlie makes a phone call to a pat- particular pub. So that about does it for Minute 2 of An American World in London and Episode 2 of Welcome to the Slaughtered Land. I'd like to give a shout out to the originators of the Movie by Minute format, Alex Robinson and Pete the Retailer, the guys who created it all with a little show that they started called Star Wars Minute. Be sure to subscribe so that you'll get all the notifications for each new episode. And a positive rating would be cool too. If you want to follow the podcast, it can be found on Twitter and Instagram at PlanetGeekPod, all one word, or send an email to PlanetGeekPod at Gmail. So until next time, remember, keep off the moors, stick to the roads and the best of luck Blue